so I'm excited about today's message. It's amazing how I got, how I got this message. Um, I was working on a couple other messages. In fact, I was working on two and a half messages, and then I get this phone call. And I, you know, I finish a message a lot of times. It's, it's, it'll just come together, and it's a good Bible study. There's a good message in it, but it's really not... It's not the message for this Sunday, you know. So I, I've written a, hundreds and hundreds of those kind of messages. But I got this phone call, and I go, that's the message. That's the message I need to preach. And so I got this from a phone call, not from one of you, but it was from someone who needed counseling. So, amen, that's how I got this message. You know, sometimes, you know, some, some preachers say you gotta, you got to preach expositorily. In other words, you start in... And you, and you just preach a whole book in the Bible. And some people, some preachers say you got to go topically. So there's expository preaching. It's when you go like, you just preach right through the book of Matthew. Or you do it topically. And so uh, most pastors, they, they, they do one or the other. And I like doing them both. Not that I'm special. It's just that I like to do them both. In fact, I'm looking for one of the books. I would want to take one of the Old Testament books that most people don't read a whole lot, and I want to um, preach on that expositorily, so I'm kind of praying about this right now. In the meantime, God's speaking to me what to, what to speak on topically. That excited you, amen? I'm sure that did. Okay. So, oh, I know Fantry's here. <laughs> you, will, you will hear Pastor Fantry before you see him a lot of times, because he's got this laugh that just makes everybody laugh, you know. So, um, I said that lovingly, Mike. <laughs> okay, thanks, thanks. So, if you were to meet somebody from the Old Testament, okay, I mean, you really wanted to meet somebody, um, there are standard people. How many would like to, would like to really meet David? Okay, a lot of people. How about Elijah or Elijah? Okay, who else would you like to meet? Joseph, Joseph okay. Oh, I'd like to see what Esther looked like. I really would. I really like to just check her out. Okay, uh, who, um, Abraham. Okay, I okay. I, I like all those Bible characters, but there's there's one that we don't think of as an old covenant guy that we'd like to meet. But I'd like to meet this guy. I think this guy would be kind of fun to hang around. I wouldn't want to go out to eat with him because this guy eats weird food. And I probably wouldn't want to see him and have him hang around me because people would be staring at us because he would dress really weird. You know he didn't buy his clothes at Joseph Banks. So it's, it's, it's John. John the Baptist. Oh, I told you the bat was the original religion. The Baptist. No, no, no. It's actually John the Baptist because that's what he did. It's not that he was part of the Baptist denomination. You know that, don't you? Okay. In fact, in a lot of versions of the Bible, they call him John the Immerser. John the Dunker. You know? And I kind of like that. We have a tendency to look at John the Baptist as think, ah, you know, was he American Baptist or was he Southern? We, we don't know. You know, we don't know. Let's look, okay, let's look at Matthew 3, verse 1 to 12 before I pray. We're going to read about this guy, John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist began preaching in the Judean wilderness. His message was, 
Turn from your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare a pathway for the Lord's coming. Make a straight road for him. John's clothes were woven from camel hair, and he wore a leather belt. His food was locusts and wild honey. You say, is that kosher? Listen, believe it or not, it is kosher, according to Leviticus 11.22. People from Jerusalem and from every section of Judea and from all over the Jordan Valley went out uh, to the wilderness to hear him preach. This guy must have been some type of a preacher that people would travel all that distance just to hear what he had to say. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be baptized, he denounced them. Talk about a guy with chutzpah. He says, you brood of snakes! He exclaimed. He wasn't politically correct, by the way, see. Who warned you to flee God's coming judgment? Prove by the way you live that you have really turned from your sins and turned to God. Don't just say, we're safe, we're the descendants of Abraham. That proves nothing. Your lineage proves nothing when it comes to salvation. God can change these stones here into children of Abraham. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever your roots. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. See, these trees, a lot of trees produce fruit, but they're not good fruit. And what's value in the kingdom is those trees that produce good fruit. He said, I baptize with water those who turn from their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is far greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the grain and his winnowing fork with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area storing the grain in his barn and burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Okay, so now picture this. Hang in here with me. Picture this. Herod Antipatus, the son of Herod the Great, had John put in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. You see, John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. And because of that, Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people. Why was he afraid of the people? Because they considered John, this guy who was doing all this immersing, as a prophet of God. Now, let's continue. In Matthew 11, verse 2, John the Baptist, who was now in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you really the Messiah, the Mashiach we've been waiting for? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him about what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, 
The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who are not offended by me. God blesses those who are not offended by me. Repeat that with me. God blesses those who are not offended by me. This is an important statement because there's a blessing in not being offended. Because I'll tell you, when you do the will of God in, in the world, okay, a lot of people get offended. Or the, their fear of getting offended stops them from doing the will of God. Verse 7. When John's disciples had gone, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. Who is this man in the wilderness that you went out to see? Did you find him weak as a reed, moving by every breath of wind? In other words, was this guy totally politically correct? He was just saying what people wanted him to say, or was he speaking with commitment? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? Those who dress like that live in palaces, not in the wilderness. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger before you, and he will prepare the way before you. Now listen to this. I assure you, of all who have ever lived, of all who have ever lived, that includes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Elijah. I assure you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. But listen to this. Yet, even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, this good time when I get to share something that you put on my heart. And God, I, I pray that um, as, we hear, as my friends hear this message, that you, you speak to them and they see their significance. In the kingdom of God, in Jesus' name, amen. So John the Baptist. John wasn't the big shot like his family probably wanted him to be. He wasn't a big shot. He didn't become a high priest like his family thought he might become. He didn't even become rich. He didn't even have a business. You know, I don't know how he made his living. Anybody know? I don't know how he made his living. Bible doesn't say. Maybe he raised bees. I don't know. I think maybe he had a natural food store because the guy was eating honey and locusts. Okay. Well, John knew he had a mission from the king of the universe. But John's mission, it, it didn't end the way that he expected. It ended with him in prison for a year and then executed. John was a hero, a hero. I don't think he realized it. He was a hero. 
There are a lot of you that are heroes. And I don't, I don't think you realize it. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times, heroes don't realize it. Um, I can think of, you know, I, Isaac. Isaac. What did Isaac do? Ah, he raised a Jacob. That's what he did. He became a hero just for doing that. You know, you look at um, this pastor from Azusa Street in the, um, I think it was the late, early 1900s, and uh, Azusa Street, California, and uh, Los Angeles area. I think it was that. I'm not even sure anymore. But anyways, this guy, he reintroduced the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And thus, all kinds of denominations started as a because, because of that, which were one of them. It was one of the first churches that black and white were, were, coming, were mixing, because in those days they didn't mix. And, you know, he died thinking he was a failure. Think of the one person who led Billy Graham to the Lord. Somebody told me it was his mother. I heard it was somebody else. It makes no difference, really. But somebody who we don't even know led him to the Lord. On a personal note, my mother-in-law, Edna Amiot, is a hero. She went to be with the Lord recently. You know, my wife, Pat's mother, my, my wife, Pat, her, her mother, Edna, she was almost 103 years old when she died. And um, she was the first in my wife's family to be born again. And at 103 years old, all the family was there, and there was a lot of us. There was the... the The daughters, the son-in-laws, the, the grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, you know. And you know what? There wasn't a single one there that was not born again. They were all saved. How many of you are the first in your family? The first in your family to be born again, just for the fun of it. How many are you? Look at this. Your potential heroes. Your potential heroes. as because you're passing on the truths of the kingdom. You're passing on who Jesus is to your family and your friends. This is a, a wonderful thing, a legacy. And we're, we're all to be heroes in the kingdom of God. Even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Know this, according to 2 Corinthians 5.18, God has given us the task of, recon of reconciling people to him. You say, I don't want that task. I didn't ask for it. Well, tough. It comes, it comes with salvation. With salvation, you're given a ministry of, of, of telling people about Jesus. That's the way it is. It comes with salvation. 
Actually, the Bible says he has made us ambassadors. It's like we're in a foreign land. And some of our families are like a foreign land. And when you go to a family function, you feel like an ambassador. Because, and you are, because you represent the, the king of kings. You represent the kingdom of God. And they don't hardly know anything about the kingdom of God except for what you offer them as an ambassador. And God wants us to speak to those outside the kingdom of God so they can be reconciled to God. See, I'm not an evangelist. So what? You still have that ministry. You see, in a way, we all have a mission, something like John the Baptist. We're to prepare the way for others to receive the Lord. How? By our testimony and our proclamation to have a right relationship to Jesus Christ. To prepare the way. Now, years ago, I read someplace, statistically, that it took seven touches before someone comes to Christ. Nowadays, I hear it's more. Maybe nine, maybe ten. It makes no difference. But God wants to use us in involved in the, the process. And I see, I see leading people to Christ is almost a process now where one person has, gives a touch for the Lord, talks to him about him, another person comes along, then a third, then a fourth, then a fifth, then a sixth. And before you know it, it's starting to make sense. And, before, and this person winds up giving their lives to Christ. Well, who led him to Christ? Well, one person gets the credit for it because he prayed with them. But actually, it was probably a community-type thing where, where many people actually spoke to him. In fact, if you brought that person to church, when people come into our midst and they, and they don't know Christ, they look around. I'm telling you. They're not singing the songs. They're looking at you. And they're looking at the sincerity. Are you real people? Who believe in a real God? Are you faking it? Well, I know you're not faking it. So you are a testimony yourself to these people who would come into our midst who are not yet believers. Like, like John the Baptist, our proclamation, our message, it isn't about us. It's about Jesus. And we need to do what God called us to do even if we don't feel like doing it. Even if we don't feel like doing it. There's a reason why Paul said what he did when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it's the power of salvation to everyone who will believe. But he says the Jew first and also the Gentile, or the Greek. A lot of people are ashamed of what they believe in. I like those, those two songs we sang. Um, I, I wrote them, some stuff down here, and I can't find where I wrote it. Um, the one is, I believe, you know, I believe. I, I, I like that song. The words are just wonderful. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Bible tells us that God's power works best in our weakness. 
So you give the excuse, I'm weak. I don't hardly know what I'm doing to share the gospel with my family or friends. I'm weak. You know what? That's a good position to be in. It's really a good position because when you're in your weakness, that's when God kind of takes over. And, you, and you, you finish witnessing. Whether they receive Christ or not, you're one of the touches that they need. And you did your job. And you go back saying, boy, God used me. Wow, that was really good. Actually, it feels good to be used of God and know it. God's power works best in our weakness. In other words, God loves to manifest himself to those who feel they are weak. He desires to manifest himself to those who feel they lack the ability and know they need his divine help. Now listen, most of us are not called to have a high-profile ministry where we fly above the radar. Most of us are called to fly under the radar to accomplish the will of God. And in the words of Jesus, he says, even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist did not have the revelation of who Messiah is like you do. You have a revelation of Jesus that he did not have. He did not have the Holy, the Holy Spirit in him like we enjoy today. He did not have that. He did not have the power of God in him like you have. He was not the temple of the Holy Spirit like you are. He did not know God's love like you can today. Even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was said to be the greatest of all of them. From the old, those ministers from the old covenant. And here you are. So don't tell me you feel insignificant. Your feelings are wrong. You are significant. You have Christ in you. You've got gifts that he's given you. You are totally significant. You are great in the history of mankind because of Jesus, you rise above. The bottom line is this. As a citizen of the kingdom of God, our Savior sees your Greatness. I don't feel so great because of da 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 da. Again, it's how you feel. It's not the truth. It's just how you feel. You are great in the eyes of God. Even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Again, we sang those songs. You are for that song. One song. You are for me. Remind one of the verses we sang was remind me. Who you are. Remind me, God, who you are. The other song we sang was, I belong to you. Remind me who you are and remind me that I belong to you. I am so significant. 
most of you are involved in some type of ministry. Don't take your ministry of, for granted. We all have the ministry of reconciliation. True that? Okay. Don't take that for granted. God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. We're the ones that are ambassadors for Jesus Christ in an unsaved, dark world. We're the ones that are to touch people for Christ so they would want, desire the kingdom of heaven. Don't allow your weakness to be an excuse for your lack of action. Why? Because it's in that, in that weakness that God's strength comes through. So if you're feeling weak, good. Good, good, good. Because now you've positioned yourself to experience the power of God. And don't neglect the Great Commission. Because this is your responsibility. And I believe God will hold each one of us accountable to the Great Commission. Again, in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples... He says, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. So he's showing his position because he's going to say something that's awesome. He says, therefore, because I've got all this authority, I can say this. He says, go. You don't wait for him to come to you. Go. Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. This is tremendous. I feel so significant. In a sense, putting his message together, I'm thinking, I'm really important. I don't feel all that important, but by the word of God, I'm important. I know you folks. I'm telling you, you are important. You are so significant. You are more significant than John the Baptist. Even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of God, see, you may think you're insignificant, is greater than John the Baptist. Can you believe that? If you can't believe it, tear it out of your Bible. Cross it out. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you really grasp this, you stop going to certain places that you're used to going to. You stop doing things on the computer that you do in secret. You stop reading those things. When you grasp the fact that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God is within you, I'm telling you, 
you'll automatically start becoming more like Jesus Christ. It just happens automatically. Because we know how you think is, you feel is how you do. So we need to think right. Think right. You are greater. You are greater than John the Baptist. That's heavy, isn't it? Every one of you in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Wow. So don't come to me and say, Frank, I'm insignificant. Because I'm going to say, are you part of the kingdom of heaven? You say yes. I say you have no right to feel that way. Because Jesus said you are significant. In fact, even the most insignificant person, because you may feel insignificant, you may think in relation to other people you're insignificant, but you're greater than John the Baptist. This is a hard piece of meat to swallow. But you swallow it, and you'll start doing a whole lot better. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for my friends here. And Lord, I pray that we see ourselves the way you see us. And even in those times when we feel insignificant, we remember that in your eyes, we are really significant. Help us to always remember that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're never going to leave us. You're never going to forsake us. Help us, Lord, to be disciples that you can be proud of. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for telling us how you feel about us and our significance in the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you a lot.